You took what someone gave you and made it better. I'll take the wackest song and make it bad. We took everything you had. And word to Ice-T, Grandmaster Kaz, you know, hip-hop didn't invent nothing. It reinvented everything. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This Moment. This is your transatlantic bridge connecting Stockholm, Sweden to Harlem, New York City. And as you know, our goal is to share BIPOC stories and experiences through food, music, and culture. It's hosted by myself, Jason Timbuktu Diakite, and my dear brother and co-host, Chef Marcus Samuelson. Now this week, we're joined by one of the greatest minds in hip hop today. Not only a lyricist with unmatched flow, but an activist who has used his platform to serve underserved communities for years. I'm talking about the one and only immortal technique. Tech is one of those guys who when you talk to him, it's impossible not to learn something new. Like the untold truths about the US, the inspiration behind his highly anticipated album, The Middle Passage, and the art of hip hop culture and activism. So let us dive in. Immortal Technique on this moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. So it is an immense honor and a pleasure to welcome onto this moment not only an MC and a, an amazingly profound artist, but also an activist and a scholar and Harlem native, Immortal Technique. Tech, it's great to have you. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to see you again, man. Thank you very much for having me here. How you feeling, man? How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm ready to jump right into it. <laughs> it's springtime. We're in your, you know, we're in your neighborhood. You're a Harlem native. Now, I am not a Harlem native. My dad was born here. My, my grandfather migrated here from the South. My great-grandmother migrated here from the South. Basically, my family's lives have taken place in this town. I'm born in Sweden, raised on stories about this mythical cultural landscape that we're sitting in. But even I, with my own eyes, from having lived here in different times of, uh, of my life, can see that, that things are changing. Can you describe to me some of the changes that you see going on in Harlem today? You know, I think that it's it's crazy to see kind of the imbalance in Harlem, mm. you know, or there was a, a sister that lived in the projects that's across the street from my house. And one day she said, Oh, they coming. And I said, what? She said, this whole area be gentrified. Mm. And mm. I said, how, how do you know, Missy? And she said, look at their, they're opening the ground. 
and I looked and sure enough, there was construction all down Broadway where they had opened up the street and it, it was like a cavern down there. Mm, mm. And she said, you know what they're doing, young man? And I said, what? She said, they're replacing the water pipes after 50 years. And I looked at it and they were taking out the pipes and Jason, the inside of the pipe looked like a clogged artery. And that's what everybody been drinking up there for the past 50 years. But it's yeah. now it's not good enough. No, no, no. Right? For example, there's a law in Denmark, and I'm not using this platform mm -hmm. in Sweden to insult oh, Denmark because we can. We, no, no, no. But I'm just saying because <laughs> yeah, there's plenty no. of things that Sweden yeah, yeah. and every other country has done wrong, including seat, the yeah. United States. Yeah. But Denmark had this controversial law where when refugees were coming from Syria, Thank they you. confiscated their jewelry. Mm -hmm. It was, it was actually called the Jewelry Law. The jewelry Act. Mm -hmm. We're here to speak the truth about what's going on. So mm -hmm. that it's not bashing uh, Denmark. We, we were just speaking the truth about it. Um, the reason why, we all know the reason why Denmark instilled these draconian laws that many people compared to World War II era uh, uh, type perspectives on refugees was to take their belongings, everything worth more than $150, the government, the Danish state had a right to take from refugees fleeing for their lives for them to pay for uh, Denmark taking care of them. Mm -hmm. And now in order to bypass their own laws that they put up to protect them. Uh, and let's also bear in mind that the social democratic prime minister of Denmark said just last year that Denmark has a goal of having zero asylum seekers. Hmm. Can you, I mean, that, that's basically Listen, saying our goal is, is to have no empathy is the, is with their people goal, around the world. Is their goal also to not be dependent on every African or Middle Eastern country for all of the resources that they exactly. take out of the country? Exactly. It's always been the same way. They've always wanted the talent. Hmm. And I think that relates back to your question about Harlem. For years in Harlem, the uh, the people who were the greatest artists were not actually here during the 40s and 50s when you know America basically had like a diet coke version of Nazi Germany laws where you know you guys forget what Jim Crow actually was you forget that sure it was applicable here in other states in the north differently but that didn't affect the law on federal paper hmm. so America didn't really become a democracy until 1967 hmm. right? and I think that in and what what happened in sixty seven? Would you say that defined it becoming? Well, was it the, the look, voting you, rights when, act? When you give people actually the representation of voting rights, but mm. the other problem is this: regardless of voting rights, right? I think that the civil rights movement proved some really ugly facts about uh, class and also the idea of race. Mm. For example, we found out that rich black and Latino people want to live around poor black and Latino people about as much as rich white people mm. want to live around poor white people, mm. right? Mm. Mm. Rich white people don't want to live around poor white people. Mm. When you talk about a redneck, you know what that actually means. It means those white sharecroppers that used to be in the field, mm. right? And when they took off their shirt, their back was white mm -hmm. and their neck was red. So mm. it was a, mm. an obvious class um, assignment. Mm. People would say, oh, well, look, of course, white, trash, sharecropper, poor, poor, mm. poor person. Mm. We mm. don't want you here. You know, you're not going to marry into this family. You know, social climber. We're not here for that. We're here to consolidate. Wealth marries wealth. And I think in Harlem, it's an interesting area because we've always seen it as a quote unquote black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I've always grown up knowing that. Mm. Right. Mm. But Harlem has a long history. Uh, it was an indigenous area once upon a time where mm. there were no mm. people. Then mm. there were Dutch. 
right? Mm-hmm. That came mm-hmm. here. That's where the name actually comes from. Absolutely. Right now, when from I was the a little very kid, wealthy town visited, of Harlem right, in Holland, I visited the yeah. real Harlem. <laughs> How was and that? When man? I went there, <laughs> it's not called Harlem. It's Harlem with two A's. It's a Harlem. Harlem. Right? Harlem. Yeah. I'll tell you the funny story. Yeah. One of my friends came with me. He lived. Matter of fact, he lived across the street here in uh in old next to old Mount Morris Park. Mm-hmm. Right. So he came with me and he left his iPhone on a train in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Ha Alam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they called him from the embassy. Wow. Saying, we got your phone. Wow. We're going to send it back to you. <laughs> Can we have your address in the United so you, States? You and saying, I looked at him and the I other said, Harlem, bro, <laughs> never go down. you got, you got, I don't care what they want that. Even yeah. if they can't turn the phone on, somebody going to walk around with it just to cap. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you right now, that's how it is. Yeah. So irrespective of how we see things develop, Mm. I think it's sad because you see a lot of things that always stay the same, Mm. right? Mm. There are always going to be pockets of Harlem that have this kind of little enclave where they don't deal with the other problems Mm. that happen. Also, there's something very important to note about Harlem specifically. When people were suffering through crack and cocaine and heroin addiction, it was seen as a moral failing. And it was seen mm, on as, the part a, of as the a justice department issue, a law mm. enforcement issue. Mm-hmm. And now when you have an expanding demographic mm. of people that are addicted to heroin openly and fentanyl and all these other drugs, drug addiction has now been reclassified, not as a moral failing, but as a disease. Mm-hmm. And the black and brown people who receive no sympathy, oh, he's just a crackhead. Mm. He's just a drug. He's just a fiend. And I heard my people talk like that. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the young people I grew up, I don't listen to this fiend ass mouth. I don't have to listen. Look at that fiend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now you're playing into their mentality, mm. right? A poor person is a drunk. A rich person is an alcoholic, mm. right? A poor black drug addict is a crackhead. Mm. A rich white crackhead smoking whatever they doing, fentanyl, all this other mm-hmm. stuff, you're a drug addict who needs empathy mm-hmm. and help. Who needs treatment. And I think that's that's where we lost it. We started believing that. Mm-hmm. We started believing that the, the, the so-called slave master philosophy, the American janissary psychology, mm-hmm. the idea that somebody stole us and now we fight for this country. And if you think about it, how long did they really have you to turn it? Mm-hmm. Hmm? That makes you wonder, how long do you need to own the people mm-hmm. to turn them against their own people? Cannibalistic and lethal, but I see through the mentality implanted in us, and I educate my fam about who we should trust. I know you're working on and have been working on a new album, and I think your artistry is such a, a, a rare blend of scholarship activism and uh uh mastery in the art of emceeing can you talk a little bit about what has gone into the making of the album uh some of the things that you have gone through while making the album in these past two very difficult years during the pandemic i became even more independent Mm. Um, i started rebel army records um, and i started a charity called rebel army runs Mm. in harlem and what basically we do is a friend of mine happened to link up with a Japanese corporation that does the distribution um, wholesale for all the supermarkets in the Bronx and in uh, in upper Manhattan and parts of Queens, right? Like a story of the northern okay. port of Queens. Yeah. Um, and basically we contacted them, told them what we were doing, and they enabled us to buy wholesale goods from them. Mm. So what we do is we started a GoFundMe myself. I put the first 
like five bands in there, and we raised about ninety thousand dollars. Mm. And we've been keeping the program wow. going, and every incredible. week since the pandemic, since April twenty twenty. And this is a food food distribution program, right? You we distribute have, food to. We have uh, two weeks of food in the pack, so mm. we have rice, beans. We have uh, two weeks of oatmeal. Mm. We got pasta, oil. We got sauce. Um, and what is what is food insecurity? look like today in New York City that you have seen? Well, without getting too, too specific, because it's a very, very in-depth conversation, mm. a lot of food programs were canceled during the pandemic, mm. right? Now, some people blame Mayor de Blasio, which, don't worry, they're just angry, bitter, and right. But the, <laughs> the point is this, is mm. that, yes, there were a lot of food programs that were canceled in that particular time. Mm. And essentially, the need was left there. So while people were on the internet, and I didn't forget you, <laughs> I didn't forget y'all thinking that the virus was made from 5G or the cell tower, mm -hmm. but whatever things were coming out, nobody understood what was going on, but there was instability. Mm. So I'm going to explain you. I came with my parents and I took them to Fairway mm -hmm. when the pandemic started. And when I walked into Fairway, I seen old white people fighting over lettuce. Wow. I see, And this isn't even bad. This isn't even the food shortages that are coming, people, mm. right? These white people were fighting over kale and lettuce. Mm. I seen people shoving each other in an aisle. <laughs> You're not gonna see black and brown bacon. people fighting over kale. I, I, I and think. I, I was, I saw this shit and I was like, "What the?" F I said, my, "I said, Dad, go back in there." My parents mm -hmm. older, late seventies. So I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, "Oh, chill, chill in the car. Let me get the goods." Mm -hmm. Right? I damn near had to knock somebody out for a thing of uh, toilet paper. Mm -hmm. Try mm -hmm. to grab my toilet. I'm like, "Yo, bro." You really want to get duffed and laid out over some toilet paper? I said, "There are two empty rolls up there. Take them." Mm. And dude was like, oh, I got you, man. I said, yo, man, fuck out of here, dude. Mm, mm, mm. And I looked and I said, imagine an elderly individual experiencing this. I'll take it another step farther. I I'm not ashamed of my age. Mm. I'm proud I made it this far. And I hope y'all make it this far too. Mm, mm. Um, when I was a little kid growing up, TV only had 12 channels, mm -hmm. right? And it turned off. At two, two, two in the morning. And I hear you. Back on I grew up in Sweden. In we only right. had two channels. Right, right. So imagine <laughs> yeah. how elderly people feel now, mm. right? Imagine how elderly people feel now. They got a thousand channels, and around every the single clock. one of them yeah. tells you something different. One of the channels says COVID is a hoax. Mm. The other channels tell you, "Oh, you're gonna die tomorrow unless you get a booster and sixteen mm. shots in your neck." The people don't know what to believe, mm. so they scared. They in their apartment. So what we said is, come to the line. Those who can't leave their apartment. We'll deliver the groceries to your door. We also do Pedialyte. We did um, diapers mm -hmm. and we did feminine products for women mm -hmm. because in Albany projects, they didn't just have a toilet paper shortage out there in Brooklyn. They had a maxi pad shortage mm -hmm. and women were using shirts and shit like that. My man told mm -hmm. me, I said, that's not right. We're going to go get them. And I don't know anything about that. So I had a woman that, came onto the project and she said, Mr. Coronel, a woman's period is not seven days. Mm. All right. It goes over. So you got to get the 12 maxi pads mm -hmm. and anyone who has daughters, mm. right? Anyone who has a wife, you already know what I'm talking about. Mm. So it's like, we had to take those things into account mm. and be serious. And also I was personally inspired by the Black Panther uh, free breakfast program. Mm -hmm. And I want to say rest in peace and salute to my OG elder brother, Smitty. And he was not just a Black Panther, all right? The first lesson he ever taught me, he said, listen, you know what? The Black Panthers, they were younger than you. Mm. He told me and other people confirmed things that I had never heard about. Like when they confronted police, 
dude would give him like some Marine Corps hand signal and he said some specific to him. He said, Sergeant, you hide him behind your stripes. Mm-hmm. Come across the street. If the police had been in the military, all the people would look at him and they would expect him. You got to take off the badge and go step across the street. That's not happening now. No, no. In the 80s, you know what they used to have? They used to have people from the Russian government who came to CBS to argue politics with an American counterpart. That doesn't happen now. Everything on the news is opinion programming, whether Mm. it's Fox on the right wing Mm, or whether it's CNN, MSNBC Uh, on uh, the center. mm. Not really left. No, not left. left. Yeah. here in that sense right and people say that they're like oh but the democrats are communists and i'm like yeah one percent for infrastructure well you have budget? somebody like bernie Fucking sanders joseph stalin here <laughs> we, we would you know from the nordics we would say that bernie sanders is a classical social democrat which right. means you're a market liberal uh uh market a market liberal who believes in a social welfare system uh, well you have to understand that in america People have been trained to think that anything left of hunting the homeless for sport is communism. Mm, and that's mm. unfortunately infected people because they haven't recognized that we do have socialism in this country mm. for rich people. They mm. don't pay taxes. They don't. Oh, yeah. Have the, some of the most efficient companies. socialism is what the corporate uh, corporations enjoy, corporate which is socialism. huge government subsidies and, and uh, tax exemptions. You know what and I liken so it to? I liken it to the way that. All in Latin America, right? Because mm. a lot of my friends in this, in this, uh, in Harlem and Heights, they're from Puerto Rico, they're from DR, right? But I asked them, I say, how is it that in all of Latin America, the Catholic Church collects about billions of dollars, billions of dollars a year in charity? They keep eighty percent of the money, and they give y'all twenty percent back for charity, and you think they're charitable? You don't see yourself as the people that are doing, and you don't need them to do that anymore. But you've been signed to the worst record deal in the world since 1492, Mm, mm. right? (laughs) And you haven't recognized that even when you get your quote unquote freedom, they made you pay for it. Mm. Like with Haiti, Mm. that's a very important thing. And I want to explain to people how important Haiti is to the rest of Latin America. France and Haiti's relationship define the way that Latin America has freedom now. Do you mean the revolution in Haiti in 1804? But not only that, the reality that when Napoleon invaded Spain, he overthrew the Spanish king. That made a huge issue for the Caribbean and for South America because they said, I'm not going to bow to Napoleon's half-brother that's Mm. the king. No, the other king is the one, but he's deposed. He's gone. So there was an internal turmoil, right? And then Simon Bolivar came and very specifically promised that he would change the lives of indigenous and African people. Mm. But just like with everything, oh, fight like democracy deserves it. That's what liberals told black and brown people. You got to vote for us. Otherwise, there's no more democracy. Much like that when the war was over, when the election was over. Mm. The black people went back to the fields. The indigenous people went back into that dirty little mine where you can't breathe and you die of 16 of lung cancer, Mm. right? And the Africans were worked to death in sugar canes. Mm. And what changed for us, Mm. right? Mm. So that's why when people say, oh, we need to have a revolution. Okay, who's in charge, Mm. right? What are we really getting out of this? What are we doing? What are we risking it for? I want you to talk about the album you're making and and what um, you know what's gone into the making of that and what you've gone through while writing and, and recording it. I lost a lot of people in my life. 
um, family members, friends. It got to a point where people were dropping on me like flies. Left and right, everyone started dying on me. And, you know, I came to a point where it was incredibly depressing and sad because I just kept going to more and more funerals. And I sat back and I just got lost in thought. And I buried myself in my work. And I probably neglected a lot of other things in my life. But I feel like this record was something that brought me back from that dark place, mm. talking about all of these things that have happened, right? Um, because even though the record is the middle passage, mm. which is discussing the transfer of someone who's totally free in a society, whatever, however you live in Africa mm. or anywhere else in the world, and now you're moved to the purpose and point of being a commodity. And I think that when we talk about racism in America, and this is going to be controversial to say, but the reason that we had it is due to the cowardness of this country. Mm. And I'll explain why. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. The cowardness. Now, all conservatives immediately angry at that statement. All fake liberals angry at that statement. I'll explain why it's true and why you're stupid. 
because the caliphate, right? Because the Roman Empire, because the Greeks, anyone else, when they won a war, they took slaves. Alexander the Great's father, Philip II of Macedon, when he conquered the Scythians, required 20,000 pounds of gold and 20,000 women of a breeding age. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? You're not a slave. Other countries didn't need a fancy legal excuse to make you three-fifths of a man. They didn't need something where they said, oh, this person's a monkey, not a human being. They didn't have the cowardness of needing an excuse. They simply said, we won the war. You lost. You're a slave now. That's the, the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to create this cleverness. Now, there's something in the United States called the Constitutional Congress, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a, a base government that existed before George Washington took power. Mm -hmm. Each one of these people served like a Roman consul for one year. And one of these consuls is a black man. So let me ask a question. And this is not conspiracy theory. If this government is founded by students of history and Masons, right? And Masons, of course, have to read the Quran. Why? Because you have to understand that all the Greek works, for example, Columbia University's right here. You mm -hmm. see all the lists of Aristotle, Sophocles. None of their physical works exist anymore. There's not a piece of paper written in Greek with anything they've ever written on it. All no. their works were preserved by Arab scholars right. during the Umayyad Caliphate. Right. And then right. subsist, uh, subsequently, the Abbasid and the Fatimid burned. when they came uh. over. These were then copied and sent to Cordova, the Cordovan Caliphate mm -hmm. in Spain, which was the only place at the time where you could study three different religion, the, religious mm. theology, theological Judaism, studies. Christianity. And, and Islam. Islam. This was yeah. openly, and this was mm. revolutionary for that particular time. So it's not like, I'm saying, oh, Europe is evil. No, the government's that you have are evil. The mm. people themselves, mm. I believe, sure, there's original sin, but I also believe in original innocence. So yeah. just to circle and complete the point, um, there was no fanciness in that sense. Mm. The, the, the cowardness of the United States is in the legal definition of these people. Mm. Because what was the, the, the physical punishment in Spain, mm. France, and England for rape? Mm. It was gelding at the time. Wow. Gelding is taking hot pincers and taking your cock and balls off root and stem. Mm. But there's no physical punishment for raping an African woman mm. because she's not a woman. Mm, she's not a human. She's going to have a litter of pups. Mm. Right? Mm. They called her a bitch. Mm. And that, that reverberates inside my heart. And I realize, oh man, what words am I speaking? What am mm. I saying? Mm. So mm. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. I'm not trying to virtue signal the children. Mm. I'm just at a different place in my life. Mm. And for the middle passage, I took out the N-word completely. Right. I said, this is a scholastic record. I'm talking about an African genocide. Mm. No, it's time to talk about who was not an N-word, mm. right? Let's talk about who, what that word means in the physical property. Not to be self-righteous and moralistic, because mm. everybody's at their own different time. For example, mm. some of my friends grew up speaking to me like this, and they never going to stop. They no. use it as a colloquialism for uh, of course, I understand. So I will, yeah. I, with them, I will have a different relationship, but just to music, because I want people to know what actually happened. Yeah, my truth is the Ark of the Covenant buried in Ethiopia. Watch you do fucking with a Minneapolis Somalian. When I go You're a part of hip-hop culture. Uh, you're an immaculate MC. You work within hip-hop culture, but you've also been around and like the rest of us to see the growth of hip-hop culture, i.e. the monetization of it. How do you feel about hip-hop culture today on the, in the broader sense? Uh, and how does it, you know, how do you relate to it? 
Well, first and foremost, as a person who's older in in sense and coming along with hip hop and been on this road, um, I think my perspective is obviously different because I come from the school of Rakim and Chris mm -hmm. and the people mm -hmm. that started the culture. And those are also friends. Mm, the architects. So I've yeah. asked them questions, mm. right? About recording, about certain things. And man, there's some things that Rakim told me specifically about using your voice, about breath control, about whether you want to stand or sit while you record in the booth, the technical aspects of it, mm. right? So I know a lot of the technical aspects of emceeing, of performing, and I pass these things down to people. I don't tell them, hey, you shouldn't rap about this or that. Um, I just tell the young people, hey, brother, tell me a story I never heard before. Mm. I've heard all these other stories, mm. you know, and I say that to kids a lot. Mm. I've heard a story about a crack dealer. Mm -hmm. I've heard the story about a hustler who don't make it. Tell me the story about a kid who grew up watching his mom uh, use heroin mm. and sniff coke. And he grew up to sell the same shit to somebody else's mom. Mm. Right? Mm. Tell, tell me what it's like to carve up an onion. Not for Thanksgiving, but when you're three years old and you watch your parents sell drugs, right? What if you come from a family of people who sell drugs? Mm -hmm. huh? What if you yourself end up addicted to it? Mm -hmm. What about the what about all the drug dealers I know that got high on their own supply? Mm -hmm. Right? That's a big part of the game. Never heard that one, mm -hmm. right? Huh? So 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 all these dudes wasn't doing this at the same time they was filling the pack. Hmm? Some of them weren't even sniffing. Some of them were smoking crack themselves. And these are kingpins we're talking about. Mm -hmm. These are people who are still running around. Tell me that story, brother. Tell me what it's like to experience. Tell me what it's like to sell crack to a pregnant woman and go home to your own kids. Mm -hmm. Tell me these stories. I just want to hear an original story. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you gain so much more power with that, I tell them. Mm -hmm. Make it creative. Make it out the box. That's my only responsibility. Mm, mm. My responsibility it's, is it's, not to tell kids, hey, your, your jeans are too skinny or, yeah. you know, I don't like your slang. That's yeah. not my place. Bro. No, exactly. Do your thing, bro. Yeah, yeah. Because a, a lot of veterans, and, and which we can count get, ourselves I now, I uh, <laughs> you know, we it, it's just played out for us to say that, hey, it was better, you know, back in our day, it was better. Uh, the music was better because that's not how progress or evolution works, you know. I think uh, there's always going to be the nostalgia for that era because the purity of the records that were coming out were based off just them reimagining music and sound. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I hate to put him on the spot, but there was a famous quote by Quincy Jones um, when he said, you know, hip hop is not really music. All they do is sampling. You didn't actually make that. And that's sad for him to hear. Obviously, his opinion changed mm -hmm. over the years mm -hmm. because someone must have explained to Mr. Quincy Jones, mm -hmm. brother, did you construct your trumpet like a lightsaber? <laughs> did you put together this blueprint of this saxophone? No, you took what someone gave you and made it better. I'll take the wackest song and make it better. We took everything you had. And word to Ice-T, Grandmaster Kaz, you know, hip-hop didn't invent nothing. It reinvented everything, right? We took your broken record player that you didn't want, that you threw out in the street, word. right? We took those little kids that were dancing in the street that you threw out the house, mm -hmm. right? We took the artists that you threw out of art school, mm -hmm. right? We took the dancers that you wouldn't let into Alvin Ailey or Juilliard, any of these other fucking places. Mm -hmm. We took those people, mm -hmm. right? 
and we did what we wanted. Up now, I'm proud of the of the fact that hip hop invented sampling, you know, or if, if if not invented it, but in the modern technical sense of it, invented it because we have taken, just like you said, we've taken bits and pieces of existing building blocks and built something new and beautiful <laughs> and powerful. You but know? but just like Rosewood, we made the same mistake. We got all the jobs, we got everything else set up, but where was the protection? Right, them Rosewood people—they should have hired an army of white cops to defend that city. Wait, 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 Rosewood. Like, oh, Rosewood's yeah. a story about the town full of like affluent black people when mm, it's mm. taken over. Much talking like, like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very similar story. Yeah, yeah. But I think in this case, hip hop had so much culture, so much to give out that it was begging to be part of the mainstream, mm. and that's not the culture of hip hop. Mm. The culture of hip hop is. Our ancestors, being counterculture, in, right, yeah. our ancestors during the civil rights movement begged to be part of America. Please, can we vote? Oh man, please, can we live alongside white people? Can we live in the same? Maybe our kids can even have sex and have children of their own. And I go back since we're in Harlem to the Marcus Garvey conundrum. That's a very important conversation for people to have. Mm. And the Marcus Garvey conundrum is this: Marcus Garvey said, "I serve the black people of Harlem." And they have an important question to ask themselves. Do they want to go back to Africa? Do they want a country of their own? Or do they want to try to live side by side in peace with white folks? And I'm going to tell you something else. He said, if you don't pick one of these three things, the worst option out of one of them will be given to you. Mm. And you'll have to live with it. Mm. And what was the worst option? Them believing that they live peace and side by side off the goodwill mm. of white folks treated equally treated to be ignorant. Mm. And what did you do? For another hundred years, we had to we had to contemplate that. Mm. Now, this is not a denigration of whiteness or European society, but I think that those individuals, people who would defend it and say, Oh, technique, you're just biased against that. You just don't know enough about your culture. Mm. to realize what happened. For example, you do realize that people were insensitive about other individuals during the pandemic. Mm. I remember there was mm. a basketball player in America called Rudy Gobert, and everyone was angry at him at the beginning of Rona because he coughed and wiped his hand on the mic and was like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Europeans who came here didn't know that they were spreading infectious disease mm. to people? Smallpox. They knew that. Yeah. They knew that because during the Crusades... The Ottomans and them used to launch dead bodies into each other's towns into with a trebuchet cities, yeah. because they figured if I put a dead body in his town, it's going to rot. It's going to spread disease. It's going to infect the water supply. It's biological, it's biological warfare. warfare. You were not ignorant about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. In America, they call white people Anglo-Saxons, mm. much like the Saxons. Mm. You used to have a, a long history of conquest, rape and murder. You used to be proud of those things, but you're not proud of them anymore. So instead of confronting them, you want to deflect on them. And then they lose the moral high ground because instead of saying, oh, yeah, that's wrong. Their answer is mm. other people did it, too, as exactly. if being the third person in line for gang rape makes you any less of a rapist than the first person who's there. Mm. It's unconscionable. But, but tech, a lot of people will, will uh, take that position in an argument today that how can they be held accountable for uh, sins committed way before they were even born, i.e. Uh, an inherited, uh, like a lot of people will, will uh, blow back or, or push back against 
anything that they feel is an accusation of guilt that they should have for what their ancestors may have done to our ancestors, for example. Of course, when we talk about reparations, it's necessary. Mm. But let's have this conversation now outrightly. African people in America or the descendants of, or whether they're the descendants of slaves, whether they can prove that on paper or whether that's just something that's part of the American lexicon that's not, they don't have a paper trail for that. They're not technically asking for reparations. They're asking for the other half of reparations. One half of reparations was already paid to slave owners to compensate them for stealing human beings after the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. So this country had enough money. Don't tell me, oh, wait, there's no money for that. Eh, you, you found the money mm -hmm. to pay back the human traffickers. You paid back the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world, the people who made him look like a welfare case. You gave them money, billions of dollars and pounds. Mm. But now you think that not compensating the people who were affected by this is somehow making you have a staunch policy of strength. And no, you're a child abuser. Do you understand? You abused and you stole children. You locked them up. You forcibly mated people. You bred people. You show us all the plantations in the world for cotton. Right, America? You love showing that. We saw that on Django. We see that in every slave movie, the cotton plantations. How about this, America? When are you going to show us the breeding plantations? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Where you kept the 10-year-old girl in a stable where a horse was, right? How come you show us every image of Ukrainian violence, but you got to have motherfuckers hack America with WikiLeaks to show us one drone strike on a child in Iraq or Somalia or Afghanistan. You see, you used to be proud of rape and murder, but now you ashamed of your grandfather. Now you ashamed of what you are. And to touch on your point specifically mm. about where reparations would come from to alleviate the pain and suffering mm. of people that are so confused and angry and think, oh man, you're just going to bleed white people for this. Well, actually, no. This wouldn't come from white working class people. Mm. The majority of reparations wouldn't come from U.S. tax dollars. Of course, they'd have to pay something because mm. they benefited from the practice. Absolutely. But they would come from the major financial institutions that built their holdings off of slavery. Absolutely. These trillion dollar foundations, mm. right? You built your bank off of that. We were the capital for capitalism. Do you understand that? And I think that when you go back and you, you, you look at the world in that sense, mm. that it makes it very clear. You know, when Europeans say, well, I feel attacked. And I said, you should feel attacked by your own people. Mm. Half the Crusades were against other white Christians. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't absolutely. against Muslims. That's the biggest hustle in the world. When you talk about the Crusades, they say, mm. oh, the Crusades were when Muslims and Christians fought. Mm. Well, then you start to read history and you realize, wait, half of these Crusades never left Europe. Right? Some of these crusades were in the Czech Republic. Some of the crusade, the Livonian crusade in the Baltic Merovingian states. Merovingian These people murdered. And, the, and, uh, they, they sacked one of the greatest cities in Christendom. Uh, uh, Constantinople uh, exactly. during the Fourth Crusade. But I'm glad you brought up uh, the crusades in, in France, the internal mm. Merovingian. Mm. But there's the Cathar Crusade. Mm. And very important to note for the people, if they've ever heard that phrase, kill them all and let God sort them out, that comes from the Cathar Crusade. Hmm. The, the, the crusaders came to the city, this French city, and they said, well, sir, how can we kill everyone in the city? I'm sure that there are Catholics in there just as well as there are Cathars. Hmm. And he said, kill them all and let God sort them out. Hmm. 
That's and where that, that shit comes and from. And this is where, you know, as a... Wait, where y'all get this shit from? You're not... You don't get that from a movie? That's not from, from the Terminator, from Rambo? Yeah. That's from the people that child is still doing this to. But, but Tech, as a lover of, you know, history and historical texts, of which you are such a prominent scholar of, you know, it makes me think of, I think it was KRS-One who said, uh, this is not history, this is his story. You know, this re-examination and, and telling a truer history, because that's another thing. So many of us, are, are, are the, the majority of us are taught a history that is incomplete or even at worst, uh, a lie. Uh, and all these historical connections and truths, I think, you know, you, right. that you use, so efficiently use hip hop music to shine a light on, you know? And I, I really respect you for, for that among many things, Tech, um, that you use uh, your flow, your rhyming ability, to also inform us of that. And I see you as one of few beacons still doing that, of which, you know, KRS-One, for example, is one who comes to mind of, you know, who would write a song like Beef, like about why it could be cool to be a vegetarian or why you may want to contemplate because this is what goes into what you eat. You know, that type of, I don't know, information, ed yeah, entertainment, so as so, he so, called it. So I you think know? one of the, since we're bringing up Chris, mm. As a young person, um, I was introduced to a different Jesus than the slave Bible Jesus. Mm. For example, my mom would say, these are the parts of the Bible where you should read and learn about what he did. And when I heard Karis one, he had a song called The Truth. And he said, uh, he said, um, what was it? Jesus Christ was all about the revolution. But the cross was used in Jesus Christ's execution. See, what if Jesus Christ was hung upon a tree? Upon every church wall, that's exactly what you'd see. If Jesus Christ was killed in an electric chair, now get it, you'd be kneeling to the electric chair with Jesus still in it. And he says, and he says, and Jesus Christ was shot in the head with no respect. You'd all have little gold guns around your neck. You gaze upon the cross and you see the execution and you yell, stop the violence that the cross is still used in. Ooh. And I think when you look at that, it, yeah. That those are See, the types of images that I was introduced that, to. That use and an MC for that, you know. And I think that's important because you're not saying, okay, listen, one thing is right or wrong. You're showing the inconsistency in that. Mm. For example, after the Civil War was over and the Africans were quote unquote liberated, mm. there were over forty thousand quote unquote what, what the U.S. government termed bastards of war. Mm. That meant that newly freed African women were violated by Union soldiers mm. that were supposed to be their liberators. Mm. Mm. Any oppressive tactic or oppressive force that exists in peacetime is going to be enhanced and, and even greater in times of war. I think that that's the duality of man. Mm. We have this incredible capacity for good, regardless of race, creed, color, him or her. Mm. But you also have this other side of you, this selfish, horrible what I would call the the inner shaitan, mm. which is why I think that everyone experiences jihad in their life, mm. an internal struggle. Y'all think it's strap yourself to a bomb in a marketplace in some place you can't pronounce, but that's because you're ignorant about this. The jihad is an internal struggle, right? When you talk about the the this the way the imam expressed it to me, he said, can you see when someone conspires against you? 
Like, you know, you know, anybody that's ever successful in life, there's a jealous person that's right next to them. There's somebody like right now, all y'all, y'all, y'all people who are out here, whether you have success at something, whether you're successful at nothing, there's a person that's next to you in your circle of people who seems like they're happy for you, but they're not really happy for you. Mm. Right. This is applicable in all situations, mm. in all life, mm. where you have people that are duplicitous. Mm. Now, how do you as an individual react to that? Do you end up kicking a mule back, biting a dog back? Or do you react to it by not becoming the people that did this to you, mm. right? I know a lot of people that were abused when they were children and they don't abuse their children because they say, I'm not passing this shit down. Mm. Like, yeah, I guess my parents normalized hitting me with an extension cord, but I can't do that. Mm. Like my friend, he made the perfect point for me. He said, imagine if you were in a restaurant and a waiter dropped the plate and the manager came out and smacked him in the face. Mm. You call the cops. Mm. Mm. But you tolerate that for the kid? Mm. The kid dropped the plate. What you beating the shit out of him for? What is he going to learn from that? Mm. He mm. just learns to be resentful against you. Mm. And one day he's big enough that you can't hit him no more. Mm. Right? And I think that's the, the reality that we're dealing with. Also, I'm going to say this. In terms of being from Harlem, mm -hmm. I grew up a, a, in a, have a pretty violent childhood. Like I fight people all the time, fighting I seen people stabbed, shot. I saw a lot of terrible things, but I saw a lot of good things too. Mm. You just have to learn to be able to balance that stuff. And I think that as a kid watching like extreme amounts of violence in the street very much desensitized me to it, but it also taught me something. Mm. I don't know how it is in the white community or the Asian community because I wasn't raised as a white or Asian person. But I know that in the black and brown community, unfortunately, people often associate you being smart with you being soft. Mm. And mm. believe me, I will never downplay my intelligence as a kid. Mm. So I used to fight with people all the time. As KRS say some also smart. said, you know, in, in, in love's going to get you. If you're soft, you're lost. I mean, he's saying that that's what he was taught. But this is the reality. So mm. a lot of people, even now, right? Oh, what is this? What is that? Oh, mm. why, how, how? It's almost like, why, yeah, I know the answer to this. Well, why don't you? Right? Mm. What? 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 what, what that won't affect you in some way. You think that learning math makes you soft? Mm. The people who know all the stuff that you think smartness makes you soft, those people run the world. You actually don't have any say in the world. Mm. You're the one begging them for a job, mm. right? You know mm. when I see a young person and they say, "Oh man, y'all niggas old. What y'all talking about?" They talk mm. to me crazy, and I say, "Listen, young brother, come here. First of all." I'm not what you just called me, mm. right? And there are people in this society you're going to have to learn that are not that. Like, you can't call Malcolm X that. Mm. You can't call Martin Luther King Jr. that. Mm. You can't, can't call, call Harriet Garvey. Tubman that. You can't call Harriet Tubman that. <laughs> no. So I said, young brother, think about this. All those things that you want to do in life, they're possible. Mm. But ownership is better than representation. And that's a hard lesson to learn as an adult. So I hope you learn it as a child. Mm. Representation is great, but ownership is better. Mm. And this is what I'm trying to get them to do. Mm. Just own your own life, man. Mm. You know, mm. own your own life, brother. Mm. Own your own life, sister. Whatever color, like I said, race, creed, color, him or her, own your own life. Mm. Do what you want to do. Represent mm. for yourself. Learn something about people that you have no business learning about. Why? 
it may it, it, it's not like it's, it's gonna enriching it, your life not just yeah. enriching your life but you're gonna find out how many things you have in common yeah. with other human beings struggling mm -hmm. around the world mm -hmm. you know and in that sense it brings us a tiny bit closer together but tech in all this you know it makes me glad and 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 it gives me some comfort that no matter what we go through, you'll be rhyming about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell me a bit about when can we expect, when can the fans expect to hear the Middle Passage? When, you, when can we see you perform live in Sweden again? I would love to come to Sweden. Um, You've been to Sweden many times. I know you many, have love many, for the country. You know, and I think or the, love for the people uh, the people there. there the people there. Really good. Um, obviously, I have a long history with... Uh, my friend Bjorn from Bad Taste Records. The first thing they brought me out to was something called Hultsford mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Festival. Big festival. Which was really a lot of fun. Um, I also, I've met Swedish people before, mm -hmm. but it was in Peru. Wow. And I yeah. was like, what are you doing here? And they explained to me that like, like their government funds like a trip for them to go mm -hmm. like once mm -hmm. a year. Like they'll mm -hmm. give them, I don't know if like, they give them money, but they definitely said they give us time off from work where the guy said, I think I get like half pay or something. Okay. But this dude worked for a company and they were like, yeah, give you a retreat. So they go different places in the world. I mm -hmm. guess that's different. When they were Viking her, they went to other places in the world yeah. to take people's shit. <laughs> yeah. Now they go other places with the kroner yeah. that's stronger than the dollar. And they're like, I'm going to take your shit, yeah. but I'm paying you a piece of paper for it. Yeah. So I, I've met people from around the world that come to Sweden, obviously, in America, there's this idea that Sweden is full of like blonde, seven foot blue tall eyed, blonde yeah. women, but nah, there's actually a lot of different type of people in Sweden. I, I yeah. you know, that's one of the most common reactions I get in this city <laughs> when I say I'm from Sweden. They're like, really? Because you look like you're from the Bronx. <laughs> but so, and when can the fans expect the album, brother? Um, right now we're 14 songs in. So I've never been closer. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly when. I'm waiting on some paperwork uh, to set up. Like, when new do you know that an album is done? Like how you know? I guess for me personally, if there's a once we go to mastering, <laughs> once we go to mastering, usually, I'm not doing shit. Now. Those no, people, I got another tracks. verse. Exactly, save it for the next one. I'm always trying to get something in in the last minute, but usually it comes to a point where. Where somebody has to tell me, you know what? You're done. You're this done. is the album. You're done. Step away. Step away yeah, from the album. No, nobody does that. No, I'm. I don't. I, South I wish Ball I doesn't had, come in and I say, wish "Listen, I had that. tech." No, no. Listen, no. tech. Okay, we'll have to. We'll we'll send Bjorn in and say, "Tech, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna work right here." <laughs> but I think for people who don't know, he's talking about my producer, Salpor. Um, Salpor has a unique history. He actually started uh, at Bad Boy. Oh wow! He worked for Diddy. Um, about 20 some odd years ago mm. and he worked as a tape librarian and then he's actually the one that was taught by Diddy's engineer um, Jimmy Lee another great guy um, to do like a lot of work on Pro Tools so he actually switched out all the Puff stuff from Reels to Pro Tools mm -hmm. so um, so he knows his tech he knows his shit mm -hmm. and you know me and him have just been working tirelessly on stuff and he got some real surprise bangers on this record oh Yo, you played the me thing a few I'm, the tracks thing I'm gonna say I can tell all <laughs> y'all out there he's got some heat <laughs> the thing tech I'm gonna tech and South Park got some heat for y'all and not just heat but it's also <laughs> informative it's right. educational it's inspirational I think the thing that we did different this time is usually when I make a record I just make that number of songs and I mm. leave it alone yeah whereas this time 
I'm going to have a record and then I'm going to have like three, four extra songs mm. that I just have around so mm. that I can use for movie soundtracks there you or go. for collaborations there you go. or something like that. Or for the start of your next album. Start That's of the next album. So. Tech, thank you so much for coming on this Not moment. Bad. It's always an honor to you know be in your presence and hear you speak. And keep going, keep on doing that good work, man. Thank you, man. I love you guys, Immortal Technique. If you want to catch up with me, I'm on IG at Tech Immortal. Um, same thing on Facebook, Tech Immortal. On Twitter, I'm Immortal Tech. Just hit me up. And then the charity, in case you guys are wondering, yes, um, we got the 501c3 approved, so the donations are tax deductible. Um, the the IG is Rebel Army Runs, uh, spelled correctly, Rebel Army Runs. We'll put all that up IG. as well. Yep. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Love you, sweetie. See you soon. Peace. Peace. Big shout out to my brother Tech for coming on the show. Now, everybody, dear listeners, let us know your thoughts on this episode. And also stay tuned for the full video version of this conversation. I'll let you know how to get that very soon. And don't forget to follow our Instagram page, This Moment Podcast. Also share stories, ideas, questions you have with us at this moment podcast at gmail.com. Peace. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.